This episode is supported by Active Skin Repair. Active Skin Repair is a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. I just randomly... Vinny was having a toe skin irritation issue and he ended up having this like skin that was really irritating him and it was getting kind of like icky and you know like when kids start to get like little scabs and scratches and then they want to pick at it and it was getting worse and so active skin repair showed up on my doorstep as a result of the sponsorship and I got to put it to use immediately and I got the ointment formula or the like ointment formulation and then also the spray and the spray was perfect so Vinny does not like ointmenty creamy lotiony things on his body but I was able to get out the spray literally took it out of the packaging the day it arrived put it on his toe before he went to bed and the next morning he was like mom my toe's all better. It was literally like this super amazing cure that helped his toes so quickly. So you can use active skin repair on a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, other types of skin damage. It's totally safe, non-toxic, suitable on all types of skin, even parts of the body where you might have rosacea or eczema or have acne prone skin. This is also safe for the youngest members of your family up to the oldest. So now you have one simple solution for your family's skin health needs. With over 500 thousand happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews and super safe and clean ingredients active skin repair is something that you want to have on hand for your family so to get your own active skin repair go to activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and get 20 percent off your order when you use the code shameless that's activeskinrepair.com use the code shameless for 20 percent off your order activeskinrepair.com code shameless this is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 781 with Susie Rosenstein. Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 781. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms tools, resources, and a little bit of humor to help you lead more positive, powerful, and purposeful lives every damn day. One of the best things about the Shameless Mom Academy is our community. So be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other shameless moms just like you. You can find us over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. All right, let's dive into today's episode. Susie Rosenstein is a master certified life coach and the host of the popular podcast for midlife women, Women in the Middle, with over 1 million downloads. Having wasted five years being stuck herself, perhaps you can relate, she knows how frustrating and painful it can be. She uses her upbeat approach with the serious topic of aging to help you get clear on what you want, get unstuck, and live your best life. Girlfriend, there is more fun to be had. She offers her free guide, 10 Questions to Reimagine Your Life After 50, which we'll dig into in a little bit. She offers that at the end of this interview. And today she's also offering a really, really special story. So Susie and I know each other. We actually were in a business coaching group together a few years ago, and I always loved her and really, really respected the work that she was doing and also really respected her sense of adventure, having raised three sons, got them out of the house, got them well on their way. And then she really took back her life to live it for herself and really revitalized her sense of self to really think through what can I do with my time left here? And oh my goodness, she had some interesting, fun, really exciting, and kind of breathtaking experiences. And one of those is an experience we're going to talk about today. So Susie and I just did a random catch-up call a few months ago. And she's like, Sarah, I have to tell you about this thing that happened to me a few months ago. And she tells me the story. And by the time she gets to the end, I said, Susie, you have to come on the podcast and talk about this. Because it's a really interesting story that connected so many dots in her life. But it also was a story around kindness, a story around being open to possibility in your life and also being really, really curious and how that just can lead to such unexpected twists and turns and magical outcomes. So listen in to hear Susie share what it was like to lose her mom at the age of five and her dad at the age of 12 when she was so, so young. And then she shares her bracelet story that was 70 years in the making that reconnected her to her mom that had long since passed along. Then she talks about the significance of kindness and how that really impacts Susie's reconnection to her mom. She shares her invitation to you to live a regret-proof life 
and exactly how to do that. And then she talks about the significance of really intentionally pursuing happiness as you age. I have definitely taken a few notes from Susie's book around pursuing happiness as you age and thought through what are the adventures I want to have when I am done being so invested in my child's adventures, (laughs) because I want to get done with this adventures with my kid thing and still be really, really excited about what's to come. And so I hope that that resonates with some of you as you're listening today. And then at the end, Susie talks about her free guide, her top 10 questions to reimagine your life after 50. And you could even do this now, like, especially if you're going into a phase where your kids are needing you less and you're ready to kind of think about what life looks like for you and living life on your own terms. So that'll be at the end of the show. We'll tell you how to access that. So with all that said, please join me in welcoming Susie Rosenstein to the Shameless Mom Academy. Susie, welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm so excited to have you here. I am so excited to be here. Thank you. We met, oh gosh, like four or so years ago, maybe even a year before COVID. I think, wasn't it 2018? That makes sense. Yeah. But five years ago. Oh my God. If you would, if we wouldn't have counted just now, I would have said two, three years ago. (laughs) I know. Time is so weird right now. Oh, and I feel like it's going to be that way for a long time. So we were in a mastermind group together for entrepreneurs and we had so much fun with meeting each other and then making mutual friends in the group. What I remember most about that time is knowing that there was a spot for you on this show and thinking like, someday we need to have this conversation. The conversations that Susie is having on her podcast about women in the middle, loving life after 50, like these are conversations that we need to be having in the Shameless Mom Academy so that we know that there's so much to live for after we get these babies out of our houses. (laughs) So (laughs) I'm so excited to dig into that today. And then also we were just checking in with each other a month or so ago talking about life stuff. And you shared this incredible story with me. And so it was an immediate opportunity for me to say like, come on the show. Let's talk about the story. Let's talk about life after 50. And I know you're going to be 60 soon. And so we have lots of good things to dig into today. So excited. It's going to be great. Yes. So I always like to bring people in asking about the dynamics of their personal and professional life beyond their bio and what you're most excited about right now. So when you say dynamics, do you mean, what is it like to run a business from my puny little office at the back of my house. (laughs) I mean, whatever you want it to mean, like the things that, what is your life like that's not in a little paragraph on your Okay, It can be related to your business. It can be related to your dog that's bigger than you are, or it can be related (laughs) to anything else you want it to be related to. I had to bring Nico the Newfie into it. Oh, Nico the Newfie, the 130 pound (laughs) handsome fella. And it it is hilarious because I am only 4'10 and I have this big giant dog. It's very funny. I would say as an entrepreneur working from home, and this is my second career, I got laid off the year I turned 50. It has been really interesting. So one of the things I'm not excited about, but I work on constantly is feeling more confident about technology because I'm not in an office with IT support and, you know, people who know all kinds of things. It's me, myself and I here, plus the dog, plus the little parrot. And (laughs) that's about it. But the thing I am so excited about is just believing what is possible, like what you can do at I'm 59 right now, pushing 60 this year, what I can actually do and create and dream up from this little back corner of the house where I'm fortunate to watch birds out my window on a ravine and, you know, at the same time deal with multiple interruptions. Even though I'm by myself, the dog and the parrot keep me quite busy. (laughs) And it is a lot of juggling that goes on with the critters. So I would say... As an entrepreneur, I have one of those classic problems where self-care isn't always high enough up on the priority list. I mean, you'd think it would be easier with the grown kids and having more flexibility than I've ever had in my life. So there's that kind of challenge always for me. But the thing I'm so excited about is what's possible from your home based office at any age. Like it's really love it. Something else. Okay. You have to tell people you have three sons, correct? And they were born in close proximity, if I remember. Can you wow, that's a great memory. Ages? Yeah. I'm from five girls, but I had three sons. Oh, wow. I'm the oldest of five girls, but these three boys were born in three and a half years. And oh, my goodness. It's a blur. <laughs> like a five year blur or like a 20 year blur? <laughs> There's still a bit of blur going on. Um, <laughs> but they're great. They're 24. 25 on the brink of 26 this month and 27. 
And they're two years apart in school, though. Each of them are two years apart in school. But the way it it fell out, it was great. And they're funny as anything. And they're awesome and creative. (laughs) And the funniest thing that's going on with the kids right now is one of them in particular. He's kind of turning into us. And he can see it. His roommate noticed it. Like he's taking on our interests. He's started. We've had fish tank. I've had a fish tank since I was 10. I have a big fish Mm -hmm. tank. Big dog, big fish tank. And (laughs) and now he has his own fish tank. And we're finding uh, music has been really fun to share because we have a really great sound system in the house, better than normal sound systems. And, Mm -hmm. you know, he became quite spoiled and all three kids love music. And music has been a place that it kind of is bringing us together, even though music also drives people apart. Mm-hmm. So we've been having a lot of fun with that. But um, now I can't even remember what you asked because the large dog oh, just walked in and I got I distracted. Just, can't see. <laughs> We're not on video. Nico, the newfie who just walked in and oh my gosh, I want him to come drool all over me with his massive head. <laughs> so now he's scary. licking me. You're getting the whole show oh my here. Gosh. So yes, before Nico decided to join us, um, so you were saying that your son's becoming one of us. He's building an environment similar to like what we're doing as as entrepreneurs. It's just hilarious. So music is bringing us together. Some of our interests are rubbing off and it's just really fun to see. They're hilarious and a lot of fun to be around. So I feel very, very fortunate. I love the idea having fun, shared common interests because- I have a 10 year old that I don't have a lot of fun shared common interests with. I'm like, oh my gosh, how much more are we talking about this video game? Or how much more Mm. do I like baseball stats? But it's like, not like baseball stats around when it's like, who's cheating and got it wrong. And it's so much. And I'm like, at some point, are we going to just ever have like peaceful, light conversations again? (laughs) Well, that's, that just reminded me of another thing that's brought us a lot of joy as a family. Like when the boys were growing up, they want to go fast. So dad Mm -hmm. skis. I forced myself to ski, but I never loved it. I saw you posting pictures recently of skiing. Yes, I love it. (laughs) Well, the kids got pretty good. And soon enough, I was not loving skiing and skiing by myself. So I quickly decided I'm not into this. I don't like this enough (laughs) to be by myself. So I kind of stopped doing going skiing with them. But hubby likes scuba diving and the kids got old enough to fall in love with scuba diving. I'm afraid of that but I love snorkeling. So we started to invest in and prioritize a series of sailing vacations where they could scuba with their dad. They all got their credentials and everything. And I was very happy snorkeling. And, you know, we found something to do together, even though we enjoyed different parts of it. So there is hope. (laughs) That's what I'm looking forward to. Like, yes, this shared interest where it's, there's a little more maturity. (laughs) Yeah. Although I did go through a phase where I forced myself to play Pokemon Go with them because they were all playing. And I thought, oh, this is, I can tolerate this. So (laughs) So I was doing that for a while too. The things that my sister-in-law learned how to play Minecraft during the pandemic so that she could have something to do virtually with my son over Zoom. And bless her heart. And she's like 66 at the time or something. And I was like, Holly, like, I can't figure this out. And also it like gives me motion sickness to play this video game. And she was like, <laughs> I am determined to do this as a means of bonding with Vinny. And I was like, oh my gosh, you were like a better aunt than I am mother. <laughs> this is not That okay. is something. It was so great though. But she was like, this is going to be our thing. I, it's so impressive, but I love all this. Well, I was going to say unique situation. I think it's, it's unique, but also common um, when you get to a certain stage in life of having raised your children, raised and launched them. And you also have outlived both of your parents. And so what parenting looks like is significantly less than what it looked like at a certain point 20 years ago. And also you're not in that role of caretaker. Like sometimes, you know, we have women who are in the position of having caretaking on both directions Mm -hmm. and you have moved into the season where you are doing a lot less parenting with your children and you have outlived your parents. Can you talk a little bit about what that has been like? Yeah. When I was young, my mother died when I was five. My father died when I was 12. Now my father remarried. So I am technically step adopted by my stepmother. And so I didn't grow up without a mother figure. And Mm -hmm. that made a huge difference in terms of the trajectory and my connectedness to parents. But that was a lot. It was a lot of trauma. Like I said, I'm the oldest of five kids. And that was a sure was a lot to go through. And the way that has played out, like I didn't grow up being angry or anything like that. I grew up feeling 
you know, very grateful that I had the support that I had. And over my life, I made a big giant effort to connect with extended family, to collect memories of people that knew my parents. And in terms of caring for them now, my stepmother is happily married. So they're pretty self-sufficient, although there have been more health incidents, falls, for example, very, very Mm -hmm. common with seniors. And so, you know, there is that sort of thing. But in general, in terms of my connection with my dead parents, I feel more connected to them now than I have probably ever before, because I don't have a lot of memories as a child. I only have a couple of memories about my mother, my father, since I I had him till I was 12, I have more memories, but I feel more connected to them now because I've made it a priority to learn more, to even connect with people that knew them when they were young. And that's been really, really meaningful for me. And then, as you know, I've had a couple of things happen (laughs) um, that have really helped me connect with them. But I know we're going to talk about the crazy story that happened. But another thing that's going on right now is Ancestry DNA. And just this week, I got the results from my DNA. Oh, wow. And there is a mystery in my family because my father was adopted. So we've never known his birth origin. And now one of my half sister as well has been working on this. So now we have a pretty good picture of his birth mother and have made some very meaningful connections with several people in that family. But the mystery is his father's side. And just this morning, I sent an email to somebody that's mysteriously related to me. And we're going to have a little chat tonight and see what we can figure Ah, out. So it's unbelievable. The DNA thing is really unbelievable because as we'll talk about in the story, I've been interested in this for a very long time. And I started to take steps and make phone calls and things in the early 90s. It's really incredible. I think coming from your really unique past of losing your parents so young in two separate incidences, but both when you were still really young. I could see where you would have a lot of curiosity and have this like motivation to seek information. And when you started sharing with me the last time we were speaking, I was so impressed and delighted for you. And also I was like, why am I not more curious about some of this stuff? Like, these are just things that like human beings should be like, it should be normal to be curious about like different kind of branches of your family tree. So Tell us about the story, the bracelet story. This is where you, this is where you really wrote me in, in our last conversation. You had this incredible bracelet story. So can you talk a little bit about that? Well, it is incredible. And this story was 70 years in the making. Mm -hmm. And so what happened was, it's funny for me to think of the best way to tell the story. So I'll tell the story, what it was like for me as the story was unraveling. So I was sitting in the same desk, minding my own little business, you know, where I sit most of the time and I got an email and the email was sent to me from a website called Genie and Genie.com is a genealogy website that was around in the nineties. So I didn't know anything about DNA or ancestry back then, but I did know that there was this website that helped you set up family trees that other people could view online. So I didn't get my first computer with a mouse until 94. So back in the early 90s, not everybody didn't have a computer at home. And I remember just before Jeannie, I connected with one of my father's second cousins adopt through the family we grew up with. And he had, maybe it was a first cousin. He had done all the genealogy on paper and made, he traced on tracing paper, a copy of the tree that he had created and folded it up. Like it was a big giant paper because when you're doing a big giant tree before being able to do it online, it it takes up physical space. So I've got this paper that I would unfold, you know, and look at the tree. And so when I discovered Jeannie around that same time, I thought, oh my God, this is great. I can transfer all of this information He lived in California. I lived in um, Toronto, Ontario, Canada. That's where I am now. And so I don't even know if I ever met him. Like when I was a baby, I probably met him. But like, this is what happened. You would write somebody a letter or pick up the phone. And he was the guy in the family who had collected the most information that I knew of at that time. And he sent me this tracing paper. So I transferred it all on Jeannie and I didn't even know it was searchable. 
I just thought it's a family tree. And this way, the cousin in Connecticut can look at it and look at a photograph that I'm posting and help me identify who these people are. Until then, we couldn't do things like that. I remember having conversations with one of my cousins who was another cousin who was really into genealogy. And I'm like, well, if you found somebody with an old photograph that was like 100 years old, you would have to go to that town, to that senior's (laughs) home and, you know, and look at a framed picture on the wall. And we actually had a conversation about how to do that and who in the people in the family had that picture. Anyway, I digress. So what happened was I got an email from somebody who found me in that tree that I set up in 92. And through it, through Google, she was able to reach out to me. And I'll read you the letter that she sent. So remember, I'm just sitting here at my computer going, what's that email? Hi there. I sent the note below to Susan a few years ago. I still have the little bracelet that belonged to Sandra E. Senders. Please let me know if there's an address or a P.O. box where I can send this bracelet. It makes me sad to throw it out without an okay from you. And I'm like, what? So then that was a second note. And then I keep reading. And here's the original note that she had sent to me like a year before. And I never saw. She says, hi there. My name is Lisa. We're not related, but this site led me to you. My dad loved to collect things he found in the ground with a metal detector. He was a coin collector at heart, but he saved everything. I was looking through some of his miscellaneous bins and found a small bracelet with the name Senders on the front and June 51 on the back. Now, at this point, I'm shaking. My heart is beating out of my skin. I'm leaning over like a car name, right? Yeah, that's my mom's name. So that's like a cartoon character rubbing my eyeballs, springing out. (laughs) I'm like, what? That's my mother's name. So she said, it's a simple silver name bar with only half the chain remaining. So it has little monetary value. But I thought it might have sentimental value to you or someone in your family. I learned from looking for Sandra online that she died at a young age. My own mom died when I was a child. And I know I covet the few trinkets I have from her. I realize you may already have what you want. So if you're not interested in this, just say so. I'm like, what? Of course I'm interested. (laughs) But I would be happy to put it in the mail to you if you would like to have it. The postage is on me. My dad lived in Rhode Island and he found it somewhere in the state. She is the only Sandra E. Senders I could find. So I suspect it was hers. Have a great day. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I mean, I can't even tell you. Literally, my heart was racing. I was on the verge of crying and laughing at the same time. Yeah. I mean, it's she died in 1968 when she was 32 years old. So this woman is I just couldn't believe it. So, of course, I reply immediately and I start Mm -hmm. talking to her and she sends me the bracelet. And the bracelet would have been on the beach when her dad found the bracelet approximately. So here's what happened. So I'll just fast forward a minute and then we'll go into the details. So she ended up sending me the bracelet and I ended up stalking her and asking her to be on my podcast, Women in the Middle, which she did. And I'm so so glad she did because I needed to hear everything again because I could barely hear what she was saying because I was so freaked out. In a good way. So I called my sister because I have one full sister and three half sisters, and she couldn't believe it. Like, we're both in shock. And this woman's name was Lisa, and she sent a picture of the bracelet. And we were just speechless, literally speechless. And for a podcaster who's blabbing on all the time (laughs) to be speechless is something. So I know the non-Zoom people can't see this, but I'm wearing the bracelet. So when I had a chance to interview her... I got all the details. So we figured out that my mother would have lost the bracelet in the 50s because it said June 51 on the back. And I knew that she moved to New York from Rhode Island in 1958. So I figured she lost it in that period of time. And I also knew from growing up with her two sisters and grandparents and cousins from Rhode Island that Rhode Island people talk about the beach all the time. And I had been told that she used to hang out at a place called Narragansett Beach. And I had photos in my photo album, very few photos of her, but that her sister had identified the location as Narragansett Beach. So when I talked to Lisa, she figured her dad found it 40 or 50 years 
later after it was lost. So in the 90s or early 2000s when he was retired. So what happened with Elisa ended up getting this box of stuff after he passed. And it was so interesting to hear the way she described the stuff because he was an avid collector. So he didn't just have one metal detector. He had many metal detectors. He took it very seriously in retirement. It was his thing. He used to do it with friends. He used to do it every once in a while. She would go and he had more than one metal detector and he found all kinds of things, but he was looking for coins. And so the way he collected the coins was interesting too, because the coins were collected in a very special way. They were cleaned and everything, but there were other things that got found like buttons, charms, uh, things you'd wear around your neck, little bits of jewelry. Everybody wants to find diamond, like a diamond ring or something. But (laughs) (laughs) Um, Lisa said nothing like that was found, but she is pretty certain that it was Narragansett. It's highly likely it could have been Narragansett Mm -hmm. because it was a place that he frequented. So the other thing that happened was that he kept this stuff. So to have somebody collected is one thing, but he didn't care about the other stuff. But even though he didn't care about it, he still kept it. Mm-hmm. So we had a good laugh because it was collected and kept in cigar boxes, which is the way my grandmother <laughs> used to collect stamps. I got a cigar box full of stamps from her, Gosh. but it was also in Maxwell House coffee cans, but it was wow. like dirty, crappy little stuff that was kept like tokens, foreign coins, some miscellaneous little things and a bracelet. In fact, there were two bracelets, but I'll just tell you about my bracelet. This episode is supported by AquaTrue. Having clean, safe water is the last thing you want to worry about. But unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four, yes, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants in their tap water. So that's why you got to check out AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers have a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process. And their countertop purifiers, which is what we have, take no installation or plumbing, and they remove 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and they're specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAS, which can lead to potentially adverse health effects like cancer, endocrine system disruption, and liver toxicity, which is part of what makes AquaTrue so special, unique, and important in terms of how they are able to filter water. They also have water purifiers to fit every type of home. So like the installation-free countertop purifier that we have at our house to higher capacity under sink options. They even have Wi-Fi connected purifiers and mineral boost options. So I'm so excited about our new AquaTrue. And here's the thing. I swear it's like a gentle reminder to actually drink more water every time you walk into your kitchen. So we are drinking more water now and also more clean water. So more water that is more clean. It feels like a double win. I'm feeling pretty impressed with us. I feel like sink water, tap water becomes invisible at a certain point. And when I see the purifier on my counter, it's like many time a day reminder to like, keep drinking, keep drinking. So I want you to check out AquaTrue for yourself and for your family. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and that makes it a great gift as well. Today, my listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use the code SHAMELESS, S-H-A-M-E-L-E-S-S, AquaTrue.com code SHAMELESS. This episode is supported by a podcast I want to share with you called Understood Explains. So this show is about navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences, which can be so confusing. And so every uh, season of the show is around a different theme. So there's a season on special education, there's a season on ADHD diagnosis for adults, and the current season is all about IEPs. I love this podcast because the episodes are 10 to 15 minutes long. So if you are short on time or short on focus, you can take this content in super quickly, easily. It's very digestible. And the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Utube. So Juliana talks all about how to navigate educational plans, IEPs. She talks about the differences between IEPs and 504 plans. She really breaks things down in a really clear and simple way so that you have some of those questions that you might be thinking around, like, does this pertain to my child? Is this something I need to be looking into? Like, where do we go from here? Where do I go if I have questions? 
Juliana has you covered. She explains so many different things and so many different little pieces and nuance of IEPs and special education and different things on Understood Explains. So I want you to go check it out wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can go listen to Understood Explains. Just go into your podcast app, do a search for Understood Explains, and it will pop right up. Click on it, pick your episode, and get the answers that you've been looking for and the support that you need around different learning differences and differences in school. So his story is he retired, he bought metal detector, more than one. He had a trowel and he would search for coins in the late 80s, 90s and early 2000s, she thinks. Um, she believes that he spent about 20 years on the hobby and wow. that he did find some valuable things. One of the things he found that was treasured was like a treasure. It was a piece of eight, which apparently is pirate coin gold coin oh. that the way she described it to me, she said sailors would clip a bit of the coin to pay for something. And that was something that was one of the most fabulous things he found. So during COVID, she was looking for stuff to do. And she said that she finally had time to go through the box of stuff, the weird stuff. Well, this is what's so fascinating to me is that not only did her dad have this like level of care where he like chose like what he's going to keep, what he's not going to keep and kept a lot of things. But the, she had like this level of care and attention to go through this. I feel like so many people would go through a parent's like coffee cans and cigar boxes and be like, okay, junk, 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 like, and not really pay attention. Right. That's part of the miracle, Sarah. Yeah. Yeah. Part, it's part of the miracle. So, so she found that bracelet. And again, her mom passed when she was seven and she just couldn't throw it out without, because the name was on it. She just couldn't throw it out without checking. So the thing that's so interesting about the story is if she would have received the box of stuff way earlier, she wouldn't have been able to find me. It was only because somewhere along the line with the internet, this website became searchable. I never even imagined it was searchable. I didn't think that tree was going to be found by anybody other than people I invited to the tree. Yet she Googled my mother's name and she had the initial and it was the only match and it led her straight to me on that tree. Because your contact information was on that family tree that was searchable online. And I established it. I was the manager of the tree. Okay, got it. Right. Got and it. then, you know, there's a way to do it anonymously within these sites that you don't give out your mm -hmm. email, but that if you communicate with somebody within the site, it just gets to you magically. <laughs> right. right. So it right. went to that page that I established and, and she just really knew because her mother passed young, very, mm -hmm. we were almost the same age that we just have so little that was meaningful to our parents. You know, we might have something here or there. Like I remember I did inherit a um, a little coffee table from the 60s, like a little end table. It had like mm -hmm. a basket top and it had bamboo folding legs. Yeah. And I think that's cool, but it's nothing that was like meaningful to my mother who died right. at su such a young age. So what really struck me about her is what you're picking up on is that care and kindness that she tried to get a hold of me once and for whatever reason, spam or who knows, I never saw that first bit of the letter. But when she sent it the second time, a few other people in the family tree that I didn't even know, they were like, somebody's trying to get a hold of you. Did you see this? And I had already oh seen gosh. it. But on that time, I got two, three other emails from people reaching out to me in kind of an yeah. urgent way. And I was so grateful for that. So one of the things that I looked up when I was preparing to do the interview that I did on my thing thing. That thing is a podcast that I just lost the word. <laughs> I looked up kindness because I thought, what is the definition of kindness? And it said the quality of being friendly, generous, and considerate. And you know, there's a fair bit of research on kindness, on the effect of kindness. And the thing about kindness is that it feels good to do it. It feels good to receive it. And there's also this thing about it feeling good when you observe it. So when you mm. like, think about how you're feeling right now, just by hearing this story, yeah, it's amazing. So yeah. she got so much out of it too. And I have to tell you, it was a hard interview to get through because I got pretty emotional. Sorry, I'm getting emotional now, but it's just unbelievable. It was 70 years in the making. The odds mm -hmm. of it being lost and found is already mm -hmm. remarkable. So mm -hmm. it was lost in the fifties. It was found 40 or 50 years later. And then Lisa got this box 20 years after it was found. And then she cared about the box enough to not chuck it. And then she was persistent in finding me. So yeah. I was easy to find. And the initial was there. And we actually connected. 
But I mean, any one of those things could have gone wrong and I wouldn't have it. Yeah. And I think that there seems to be this layer of significance around like the fact that the bracelet survived, was findable, that it like hadn't washed out, that it wasn't too deeply buried, that it was like actually detectable. There's all these little pieces that are like, your mom was just like sitting there waiting to like re-enter your life. Or there's this very like spiritual or mystical, or depending on a person's spirituality, maybe even like a whole religious experience around like having someone that you lost at such a young age re-enter your life in such an unexpected, surprising way, but like so surrounded by kindness and care and attention that you could have never seen coming. And I think that makes it really, really special. And when you add in like 70 years in the making, it's that only it kind of intensifies the whole thing. Well, what you just said is, I haven't told too many people this now, I'll tell. In terms of woo, I'm pretty low on woo. And I think I've only been to a medium twice in my life. And, you know, lots of people in, in my world go more than that. And I try to be open, but it's lots not of people something. in the coaching space. So you're in the coaching industry and the coaching, the spectrum of woo in the coaching industry can is vast. <laughs> so. Well, I did find myself going to a medium last year on Zoom with my sister, oh, the sister with this parent and Again, I hadn't, I think the last time I did this was in the early nineties and I never connected with my mother because I only did it like this one or two other times. And I connected with her in that session in a way that was incredibly meaningful. And then that was just a few months before this happened. It was three months before this happened. And exactly what you said, it seems like a timing thing. Like I, I opened a door or... I don't know what, but, you know, any of these things could have never happened or happened any time. And it all came together just a few months after I had that experience. That was weird. Oh, so, so interesting. And yeah, I think that it's easy to like overlook some of these things when you're just moving through, you know, daily life and being busy. But when you stop and make all these little connect dots and put pieces, places and people all together, it like it makes this really fascinating story but something that like really deeply touches your life. And when you and I reconnected a month or two ago and we were chatting on Zoom, we hadn't spoken in a couple of years, except for like seeing each other on Facebook, you were like, I have to tell you what's happening. And so it takes these, like all these little things that could have not happened or been overlooked and, or maybe not seen the significance or the interconnectedness of it. And it instead turns it into like this really central thing in your life where you're able to put a lot of context around it and make connections. And then it's, now it's the significant part of your identity. And I'm guessing the direction that you're heading as you are approaching 60, it's like that all, this all gets to come with you, which is really different than what you would have, how you would have been otherwise approaching 60 had this not all come together. Yes. It's just such a, an additional shot of love. You know, it just yeah. feels so magical and so crazy and so exciting and so good. And the other thing I did want to share was what we did with the bracelet. So it was a little ID bracelet and we only had half the chain, but it was silver. So I took it to the jeweler and we decided to make two bracelets and keep the original so the original nameplate is there and the two bracelets have the same type of engraving. Like it looks very similar. We wanted to keep the mm -hmm. same with my mother's name and then the date on the back, June 51. But then the little bit of chain that was there is melted in to the nameplate that we each have on oh, our nice. new on our new bracelets. So we're each wearing these bracelets and we don't take them off. Like it's just so great to wear and so special. I don't know, to have that closeness because it was meaningful to her. You know, I have scoured the photographs I have. And just two weeks ago, I think I found one with her wearing a bracelet. I don't know if it was that bracelet, but it was taken yeah. on a beach around that time. So it could be. <laughs> oh, so interesting. So this all came together because you had this online family tree that you didn't know anyone could access. <laughs> yeah. What do you want people to know now? And I think in tying it back to like you just said, going through DNA testing, what do you want people to know? I think there's some skepticism about like having things like this out on the internet or having like your identity publicly known in different ways, but you've just given an example of how this can be so impactful and beautiful and powerful. What do you want to invite people to kind of consider as they're thinking about 
family trees and connecting with people around genealogy and DNA testing and all these newfangled things that we can do online. Yeah. So it's newfangled, but it's not really like I was very skeptical about the DNA thing. I was much more open to a family tree, but then I had such ignorance about what was even going on with that family tree. I had no idea that it wasn't private or that it was Mm -hmm. even searchable. But I guess to think about because I am pushing 60 and thinking a lot about not having regrets is to the phrase I use is regret proofing your life. I've been using that phrase for years. I find it really summarizes in a very positive way what you can do to avoid regrets, like what all the things that you can do to prevent having regrets, because something that we all do is regret having a regret. So you don't want to have a regret, right? (laughs) We don't. So when it comes to family and relationships, I would just encourage more of us to think about relationships with the people who've passed and Mm -hmm. relationships with people who knew the people who passed. And if there's more information you want, what can you do to help yourself get what you need? And what you need is very personal, but Mm -hmm. I want to know more. And I actually just last week uh, got the phone number of one of my cousin's parents. They're divorced and I have only seen her once in the last 50 years, but she's alive and fine. And I would like to have a conversation with her about her memories of my parents from 1963, because that's when I was born. And her daughter, my cousin, was born three days apart from me. And they both lived in San Francisco at the time. So that's somebody I haven't really spent time talking to because I've only seen her one other time as somebody who would remember meeting her. But she's somebody who's alive now and knew both of my parents. And what happens as you age is that in my case, because my parents died so young, there aren't that many people left who knew them that I know. Yeah. And so one thing I did before internet was so easy <laughs> for my father, my father went to Yale and I had this idea because I always Google their names just to see if anything pops up because, you know, they were dead a very long time before internet. And one time it got me onto this Yale site and I started to look at alumni and there was a secretary, like there was an alumni association and an actual email address for somebody who was keeping track of his graduating year. So I thought, I'm going to write this 70 year old guy a letter. That seemed like an older guy when I was back in my uh, (laughs) 20s. Now I'm not so far from that. (laughs) Anyway, I wrote him a letter and I said, I was wondering if you could put this on a bulletin board (laughs) and just see just asking for anybody who had memories of my father when he was an undergrad at Yale. And I got three letters. Wow. I got three letters from people who had amazingly fun and upbeat, positive, interesting memories about my dad by doing that little thing. Right. And then about 15 years ago, my auntie, my mother's sister, she put me in touch with my mother's best friend from when she was young. And that woman sent me some pictures and I didn't know my mother had a nose job when she was 16. Who knew? I had no idea. Oh my gosh. Which is wild for like that timing. Like nose jobs were not a common thing. (laughs) Right. And I'd never seen a picture of her after puberty and before the nose job until this woman sent it to me. And I was like, you know what? A nose job wasn't such a bad idea. Oh my gosh. These are the type of things when you start to feel like, oh, I don't have any pictures or I don't have any stories, or you know what? I really want to hear that story from my mother or my grandmother, or maybe I don't ask enough questions. And with the kids, it's so busy. And who even has a quiet minute to talk? And now with video cameras and phones and everything, it's so much easier to record things. But -hmm. just really think what am I going to regret if I don't ask, if I don't do, if I don't try? Yeah. Yeah, Um, that's what I would say. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. 
you get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. I remember when I was little... And I would go to my grandma's house and my mom and my aunts would all be sitting around talking. And I remember trying to be invisible because I was like, I don't want them to, if they know that I'm here, they might kick me out of the, like out of the room. Cause there's like probably some things here. They don't know that I'm hearing that maybe are like, you know, not kid things to hear or whatever. And I would just be like, be invisible, be quiet and just eavesdrop. Like I was always so fascinated. Like I just wanted to hear everything they had to say about growing up and the fights that they would get into and how my grandparents treated them and everything. I mean, none of which was scandalous, but I thought it was like all very fascinating. And I noticed now Vinny, we were actually just with my mom last weekend and Vinny was sitting on his iPad doing something. And I was sitting, talking to my mom in her living room and he was over at the dining room table more than 10 feet, but like right around the corner. And I wasn't even thinking about the fact that he was sitting there listening. And so the next morning, and that was in the evening, the next morning he gets up and he's like, mom, I'm going to go sit at the dining room table on the iPad. He goes, can you and Lala, my mom, can you and Lala go back in the living room and talk some more? And I was like, he wants us to like go sit and talk so he could listen. But this is like how he's getting all of his stories. And like, we're just sitting there chatting about like this person and that person. And have you talked to so-and-so and what's going on with aunt so-and-so and whatever, but he's like internalizing all of it and like tracking it and documenting it. <laughs> so cute. It was so funny. So yeah, there's lots of value, I think, in like letting kids be a part of that to, you know, to whatever extent they want to be listening in. The other thing I want to say is we're getting close to the end of our time together is as you are considering living without regret and as you are considering what the next decade or so looks like, especially as you're crossing the threshold working into your 60s. I'm curious what it looks like to live without regret for you and any tips you have for shameless moms as you approach like new phases or seasons in life. Well, you know, this living without regret thing is very personal, but I like to approach things from these buckets. One is self-care. So self-care becomes more and more important with age. Things like mobility become a thing. Like sometimes I've even noticed now that if I'm sitting on the floor too long and when I get up, it's like, oh, (laughs) it's hard to go. Not the getting up part, but the straightening out, you know, once I'm Mm -hmm. up and start walking again. So that kind of thing gets worse. And I'm in pretty good shape, but you know, you start to notice that sort of thing. I so, have that from just sitting at my desk. <laughs> like I go to stand up and I'm like, I don't feel like I stood up all the way. <laughs> exactly. And so, you know, just starting to really think about in terms of self-care, what am I going to regret that I didn't do or didn't prioritize that I could be doing now? Have I even thought about that? I had a situation recently where I procrastinated making an eye doctor appointment mm-hmm. and I don't wear glasses other than reading glasses. And so I just kind of, I don't know, like 10 years went by and I didn't have an eye appointment because I didn't wear glasses. And however I was interpreting that didn't help me get a doctor appointment. (laughs) So I thought I should do this. So I put it on the list and I did it. And sure enough, I needed some laser surgery for something that was kind of a big deal. (laughs) I'm like, oh my God, it never occurred to me that anything other than my vision was going to be a problem. And it was a problem. So, and that's from somebody who's pretty good about taking care of myself. 
you know, yeah. but if it's, is anything, any of the obvious stuff like weight or movement or just getting enough rest, drinking enough water, mm-hmm. that quick routine health care. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm saying like myself, like, I mean, I'm a redhead who should get her skin checked on an annual basis. And I'm always six to 12 months behind on that annual check, but like oh, definitely. all those kinds of things yeah. which are easy to push aside. They're also easy to stay on top of because at least it's external accountability. And usually we're better with external accountability. Like once we make the appointment, we're probably going to go. So I would say just that kind of thing. And then the other thing that I think of as self-care that people regret is not allowing themselves to be really happy. So if there's Mm -hmm. something that you know makes you really happy and that you really want more of in your life and you don't have it, you really have to ask yourself why. And what would it look like for you to allow that? So I'll give you an example of what I did for my 50th birthday. I grew up with big dogs, so it's not a surprise we have a big dog now, but we didn't have a big dog when I was 50. My family, we bred St. Bernard's, we showed St. Bernard's, we were like all into the big dog thing. And it was such a, it was in a happy period of my life. It was a slice of kind of normalcy in my childhood. Mm. And I have nothing but wonderful memories about that phase. And we had golden retrievers for 20 years, my husband and I with the kids, love golden retrievers, tons of fun, but I couldn't stop thinking about that big dog thing and what that might mean for my family. So I thought, well, you know, a Newfoundland would make more sense for us because we go to a cottage with a lake. And I thought, oh, it's a water, it's a swimmer, it's a water rescue type of dog. That would be fun. And so I pushed it a little bit and my family went nuts for this idea. So when it was time (laughs) to get another dog, we got a Newf. And it has been, he's nine now. You've seen him. He's gorgeous. We call him Mr. Handsome. So amazing. We're crazy about him. But it has been such an amazing addition in our family. And we got Mm -hmm. him when the kids were in their, like one kid left for university already. Like they were in their teens and still in their teens and twenties, it had a massive impact on the family in a positive way. Mm -hmm. And I did my master's thesis on the relationship between children and their pet dogs. And I know oh it's like a, like a crazy topic, but and most of us know at some level how amazing a dog can be mm-hmm. for added quality of life yep. in your family. Yeah. Anyway, he's been all that and more. And it was because of my 50th birthday that I allowed myself that happiness. And I believe that a lot of what made you happy as a child, it's the same stuff that's going to bring you happiness now. So maybe it's not the same exact thing. If you love making mud pies when you were eight, maybe you don't need a mud pie now, but maybe you would love working with your hands. And it almost seems like reintroducing play, like, yes, like connection to an animal connection to stuff with your hand, like, which makes a lot of, when I think of how I want to spend my 50th birthday, there's like this certain hike that I want to do the Mont Blanc 12 day hike. And that's an element of play. Like it's adventure and it's, and it's also something I would have never done when I was 20 years old. It would have been terrifying to me, but it is an element of like returning to play, returning to like discovery and curiosity and, and connection to your world in a different way. That's not connected to like productivity and success. (laughs) Definitely. So really thinking about, you know, what makes me happy. And if you don't know what makes you happy, you can think about that. But really a lot of people feeling a great alignment with happiness in their, the way they make a professional contribution. And I hear that a lot as a regret. So just really thinking if you can't change your job, what can you do regarding your career and your professional identity that, that could bring in more happiness? Like there's so many ways to think about it, but that's really common. So I like to think about it as self-care relationships, which we talked about a little bit and this professional part. And just with the overarching idea of taking action to prevent regrets. I love it. How are you currently showing up as a shameless mom? Two so, and feet or three boys in their 20s? <laughs> <laughs> I would say I am really being a shameless mom when it comes to turning 60 in the summer. Mm-hmm. So the love 60th it. birthday is like on the brink. And I came up with this whole idea of how to celebrate with intention. I'm calling it six and 60. The ideas can be adapted to any birthday or any age or any time you want to be more intentional, but it's very specific. It outlines six ways to be 
really to incorporate with intention some meaningful things that you wouldn't normally do. And I'm proud to say, so I've identified them all. One has to do with joy. One has to do with luxury. One has to do with education or learning. One has to do with just a purchase of something that you really want. One has to do with connection and one has to do with entertainment. And I'm happy to say that two weeks ago, I just came back from the number one thing, which was joy. And it's not just joy. It's what is so joyful that you start to tear up just thinking about it. Oh, that's such a good one. And I did it. And it was to revisit the most spiritual, amazing thing I've ever done. Not have kids, not get married, like, but like something I did. Of course, all that stuff's wonderful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it was to go to this place in Baja, California, called San Ignacio Lagoon, where the gray whales have babies and mate. And I did it in 1992. And I did it again 30 years later. And I just came back. And this was one of the most magical, amazing experiences I've ever had looking at a whale eye to eye, 12 inches apart, watching the whale blink, having a chance to be so close with whales, camping for four days in the middle of nowhere at a wildlife sanctuary unbelievable. And I never imagined that I could do it again by myself. I never thought of it. I thought if I'm lucky, maybe I'll take my family there someday. But as soon as I positioned the question is what would really bring you joy so much so that you tear up thinking about it, it just came. It was so clear. All the excuses, the narrative of why it was too difficult, too expensive, blah, 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 too indulgent went away. And I'm like, you know what? I can do this. I'm turning 60 for God's sake. I've outlived my parents. I can do this. Yeah. (laughs) And I did it and I planned to do it alone, but then a few people came with me. So it was just super fun. I love it. Oh my gosh. So great. Tell people where they, how you work with folks and then where they can find you, where they can listen to your podcast, connect with you online, all the good stuff. Oh, amazing. Thank you. So uh, you can find me at susierosenstein.com. It's S-U-Z-Y rosenstein.com. And the podcast is called Women in the Middle, and you can find it on iTunes and all the places. I'm a midlife coach. I work with women 50 plus who are stuck and not excited about their lives, and I help them get clarity and become excited about their lives. Lots of them are entrepreneurs, uh, but it doesn't really matter. Many of them just want to change jobs or they're just stuck and they just don't know what they want. Very, very common. So we're very Mm -hmm. sensitive to time at this age. So we want to make sure we're not wasting time. Um, So I have group program called Women in the Middle Academy, and I work privately with clients too. I also have a free resource that you can grab called the top 10 questions to reimagine your life after 50. You don't need to be 50 Mm -hmm. to get a lot of goodness from that resource. You could probably be a mother of any age to start reimagining your life. I have a feeling you're right. So (laughs) You can and just if go you to let, if you've forgotten about yourself in any capacity, which pretty much every mom has, then this might be helpful. That's right. It's really about learning how to put yourself first again and learning how to be on your priority list and not have regrets. So you can grab that at susierosenstein.com forward slash 10 questions. And that's one zero questions. And, and just find me online. I'm all the places. We will link to everything in the show notes. So people go to shamelessmom.com and click on the interview with Susie Rosenstein. We can, you can then just click right through to all of her resources, her website, her podcast, the 10 questions and all the social media links as well. Oh my goodness, Susie, thank you. Thank you for being here. I'm so glad we made this happen five years later. <laughs> um, it was so I'm nice wise. to see you. <laughs> it sure does. Thank, thank you, you so much. Thanks so much for having me. It was really fun talking about this amazing story. Oh, so fun. Thank you so much for joining me in the Shameless Mom Academy today. I really, really appreciate you being here and I hope you learned something new. As always, this conversation will be continued over in our free private Facebook group. You can join that group by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook to connect with other shameless moms just like you. Additionally, if this is your first time listening to the show, know that we are here every Monday and Wednesday with a brand new episode. So make sure you subscribe, go to whatever podcast app you use and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. 
episode. You can do that directly if you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review that will put you in Apple Podcasts where you can click on the subscribe button and you can also leave a review. If you scroll down a little bit, you can leave a five-star review. You can write a few sentences letting me know what you thought about the show. If you let me know how the show has impacted you in becoming a more shameless mom, you might be nominated to be Shameless Mom of the Week. Also, please share this episode. My goal is to help more mamas be more shameless every damn day. So please do share this episode. You can take a screenshot of the episode on your phone and then share it out on social media. Tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy on Facebook or Instagram. I'm quick to reply and eager to send you Facebook love and love to be connected to all of you. So again, thank you for being here. I can't wait to be back here again with you in just a couple days. And until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory. Two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And this is our new podcast, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. What happens when your creative spark just seems to disappear? Gone. Poof. Bye. See ya. What happens when life gets in the way of your creativity instead of nourishing it? That's what happened to Molly and me. We felt like the thing that drove us creatively stopped working and impending doom had in fact impended. Totally. So we decided to do something about it. And that was steal ideas about getting unstuck from the most creative people we can find. We talked to guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. And we're not just talking Bob Ross type paint on paper artists here, though we talk to them too. We're talking to actors, creative directors, dancers, and people who are working hard to be their best creative selves in a world that can sometimes feel real uncreative. We all have something to teach each other, so let's steal their ideas together. Join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Pandemics, school calendars, world events, lack of sleep, oh, get out of their life gunk. And let's get back to your best creative self. Subscribe to Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. You're not going to want to miss an episode. Unsticking It with Blair and Molly, because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking it.